0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you may be listening around the world. Welcome to this week's edition of In Transition, the podcast dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted to be with you once again as we explore just how governments are using content marketing to strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens. Today, we will be speaking to Karen Flavelle from Town Hall Social. But before we do that, I just want to take you to our definition of content marketing in government. Now, content marketing is a strategic and measurable business process that relies on the curation, creation and distribution a valuable relevant and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving a desired citizen or stakeholder action it's a modern approach and it's a really effective approach for governments to engage with communities now my guest today is Karen Flavel karen you have a long and distinguished career in community engagement and the creation of content. So just before we get into the details of exactly what Town Hall Social does and your views on content marketing, perhaps you could fill us in with the backstory of Karen Flavelle.
1: <laughs> well, how long have you got, David? <laughs> Plenty of time. <laughs> Okay. Well, look, um, I'm a media person. That's where I've always had my focus. I wrote a book um, in my early 20s, a guidebook to national parks around Australia, which was reprinted five times and is apparently a bestseller. Um, And then uh, I moved into the online space because that was around 1994. I discovered the internet and realised that was the future of media. So um, from that point, um, I focused on producing websites and getting engagement because that's what it's all about. As soon as we realised there was more than a couple of hundred websites and we got a search engine called Google, well, the race was on to get attention. And that's really where um, the evolution of my work has gone because um, I was consulting to government through my consulting business, Wholesome Media, and realised we heard it time and again, government were very challenged about getting citizens participating and getting them to engage. So um, it was at that point um, that um, we developed Town Hall Social as a way to get citizens engaging um, and consulting rather than you know, expecting them to turn up to a town hall meeting. It's about getting them to participate online.
0: So we'll discuss the, uh, the tool in, in, in a little while, but just given that you have had such, such experience over a long period of time, what do you see as the major challenges for government in terms of being able to go direct, to take this gift of technology where they are able to reach out to citizens and to communicate and engage directly?
1: Well, look, I I should resist using the word disruptive, but, you know, that's what we're talking about with online technologies. So the media paradigm as it's been has been disrupted because we no longer have to rely on the big monopolistic style companies to control access to the community. So in the past the way that um, governments would communicate with the citizens is to post that very unremarkable um, ad at the you know 25th page of a newspaper to let people know about public notices and changes and opportunities to engage. Um, Now, with online technologies, interactive technologies, the government agencies can own the relationship with the end user. So instead of paying the hundreds or thousands of dollars for the ad in the media companies, they can spend that on building the direct connection with the audience, which is what your podcast is all about. Now,
0: if it sounds as simple as that and as easy as that, why, in your view, isn't government making better use of that gift of technology that enables them to go direct?
1: I think they are well on their way. I mean, there's some really remarkable people working in the industry now, um, you know, um, with the Redlands Council, Matt Murray and you know, Andrew um um, from Salisbury, Andrew Colson from Salisbury, City of Salisbury. You know, there's, there's some brilliant people really working hard in this space and um, and sort of paving the way. Um, there's a range of government and social media conferences where um, people are, are coming along and, and getting skilled up. So I actually see you know, look, it's constantly changing. You know what it's like. There's, um, there's, you know, <laughs> barely a week goes by without a new gadget or tool. So it can be somewhat overwhelming for staff that have been operating in a different communications paradigm to not just do their jobs day to day about, um, you know, reaching their local leader newspaper or what have you. But now they have to, as well as that, learn a whole new thing. So I think it's understandable that it's taken a little while.
0: So in terms of that skills development, how do you think government should go about improving the depth and quality of the skills that they need in order to make best use of this uh, opportunity to go direct?
1: Sure. Well, I think it, it comes down to um, a, a couple of things. First of all, if the top gets it, then they'll put the right resources behind it. So that means you've got to really support the staff to experiment. You've got to support that they attend webinars or face-to-face conferences. You know, you give them that, that leeway to allow them to really get better at this, this, um, this process. So
0: in terms of that, that, that's an interesting point, though, about getting the higher ups involved and engaged. What do you use or what are the methods or tactics that you use to convince the leadership that, in fact, they need to make better use of the ability to go direct?
1: Sit them down and set up a Twitter account for them. (laughs) You will always see the penny drop when someone actually starts using it. So once they start having a, a Twitter account and posting out some tweets and seeing their followers go up, that, that just the ego takes over at that point and then it's a, a done deal.
0: <laughs> but beyond the Twitter account, then what's your suggestion or what's your method when you're, you're engaging with people? And, and perhaps if you could just outline perhaps some of the way that you strategically go about developing some of these online direct programs.
1: Sure. Well, I think it does come down to, you know, effective storytelling so that people can see simply what the impact of their activities are. Because if you sit down and start talking about the tools and the features and you can just see people's eyes glaze over. But when you talk about happier communities through um, better consultation, um, when you see actual case studies of how communities have made decisions around, you know, whether their, their main central square is a smoking or non-smoking area, um, whether there's CCTV cameras, you know, the discussion that comes on board in a positive way uh, where, you know, risk and um, resources have been minimised, you know, that th- these are the, the metrics that they're looking for. For a start, a lot of them have wanted to put their heads right in the sand about social media because, um, of the you know the fear around it, um, but it's we've passed that point where um, it can be avoided. So now it's about saying, okay, well, what what are some ways to do it effectively so we do see the results of more people having their say and being um, uh, participating in in what's happening in their local environment and, as a result, further engaging. Because with that participation, you know, with great responsibility, <laughs> so, um, you know, people actually are willing to do things um, or, or also they're less um, willing to complain later if they were given the chance to have their say early on.
0: But do you see perhaps an area of resistance being in the area of resourcing, And people thinking, well, how are we going to be able to monitor this 24 hours a day, seven days a week? We don't have the resources. We don't have the skills. So we're just better off until we can do it properly. We're not going to do it at all. How do you overcome those sorts of objections?
1: Sure. And that really has been um, a huge um, uh, um, stopping point for a lot of organisation is that very argument. So, um, but the ones who have proceeded have um, been um, really clear about, well, this is where um, we're going to be- provide live customer service during business hours um, and we just notify the end users that after that time they're not going to get a response in the next 30 minutes um, and that's quite reasonable Um, and it's also about looking at okay what resources does the organisation have for customer service and how can we actually embed social media response into the customer service activity. So in actual fact you're getting less phone calls, um, more people are having their answers um, uh, done online um, and so you know it's a it's really a transition. there's not more people suddenly wanting <laughs> responses from the government um, they're just choosing a different method to um, get their message um, responded to so I'll, I'll pick up
0: a couple of points there so setting expectations with citizens is obviously fundamental to any strategy that you put in place.
1: mm-hmm yes.
0: And the second point um, that that you raised there, I think, is is a good one, is around uh, the communication function, uh, not just resting in the communication area. You extended it there out into the customer service area. So are you suggesting that in content marketing, um, social media marketing, that really the responsibility needs to be organisation-wide, not just in the silo of the communication area?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's where we're going in dynamic organisations of the future of all sorts, whether it be government, private sector, et cetera, are realising that siloing um, activities is very um, unproductive. So, you know, overall, if you get everyone on a similar trajectory of our goals, which might be to, um, you know, increase um, citizen um, happiness or, you know, um, whatever the metric is. If each department is working towards that, um, then, you know, the, the the ways... And social media is a great leveler in that fit, uh, um, way and that's why a lot of organisations are also putting Yammer inside their organisation so that they get um, that behaviour around quick updates and communicating easily um, happening, no matter whether people are in the same building or more and more as people are in co-working spaces or um, working remotely, um, you know, keeping people communicating. So if that cultural behaviour exists internally within the organisation, they can then, it's not a big step for that to go over into um, the communications with the citizens. And remember there was a time where people weren't trusted to pick up the telephone. Um, and that's laughable now. But it'll be the same thing with social media is, of course, everyone in the organisation is enabled and functioning and communicating using social media.
0: But you are describing a reality of agility, fast-moving, being able to respond, being able to be decisive. Mm-hmm. That's challenging in a risk-averse environment such as government. So mm-hmm. so how, again, does government overcome that risk aversion to be able to, to be agile and to, to move quickly? and to, you know, answer the queries and problems of of citizens?
1: Yeah, uh, bit by bit. You know, it's not going to change overnight. But like I said, I I really see some very progressive um, people and people quite determined um, and that are very conscious of the agiles. Great that you raise that word. I mean, you know, who would have thought that that's actually something people... You know, the average people, not the software developers, would understand what agile is in terms of, you know, responsive, um, reactive, responding. And it's very, um, you know, design-focused. It's um, very, um, it's responding to how people are are responding um, or engaging with the organisation and then adapting. Um, so, you know, people that are working in government are not existing in a silo. They're very conscious of what is happening in the world, and that is how um, non-government organisations are having to um, change what the way they're doing, and it, and it's best practice too. So, I think that it is happening.
0: Okay, so... You've been in this game for a long time. Tell us a couple of great stories of, of success and where you see some real progress and, and perhaps to give your advice as to what are the, some of the simple things um, that government communication areas and, and wider areas need to do to, state, to, to start to make this change and make this transition.
1: Well, I'm glad you raised simple as being a really key, key thing because I think that the simplicity is where there's been a lot of um, challenge for government and is actually the the root of the the issue with the lack of citizen engagement. Um, So, you know, if if you go down that pathway of um, complexity, then you've you've immediately narrowed your potential audience of um, citizens that have the time to engage in that way. So uh, what we saw with... You know, get up and and the way that people will share a petition on their newsfeed, inspired in us the vision to allow people to have their say in fifteen seconds or less, and to keep that that happening. So um, when I first launched Town Hall Social, which is essentially a voting tool that allows people to have their say um, directly from their Facebook newsfeed, so they follow a link from the feed and they answer right within Facebook. Uh, And the process takes less than 15 minutes, but we understand who they are. We're able to give that to our customers as a way to um, uh, provide the contextual information to make decision-making easier. Um, So, you know, when, when people can respond so quickly, um, and we did that for Moreland City Council. Uh, they asked around CCTV cameras after um, Jill Ma was taken in Sydney Road. Um, there was a, It was a hot topic around the installation of CCTV cameras. So um, they put out the question and immediately um, there was fantastic response. There was um, people able to choose the reasons why they voted yes or no and to vote on other people's reasons um, and... Uh, before I knew it a friend of mine said oh my friend just shared your question on town hall and that that was less than a month afterward launched um, and it was at that point I knew wow this this really does work you know when it's so simple for people to engage the message is clear it 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 take, doesn't take them out of their other computer-based activities, especially if they're on the mobile phone. That if They've got a limited ability to, you know, um, commit the time that a lot of the, the, the previous way of getting engagement... I mean, no-one shares a 20-word survey. I don't know if you, you you have that happen much, but um, I've never seen a 20-question um, survey shared on my um, news on Facebook. So, you know, you're talking about a very low attention span um, environment. You know, we know that social media is 140 characters. We know that people are reading all sorts of feeds very, very quickly. So you've got to capture... Um, attention and give people the chance to have their say um, in the, the quickest possible time.
0: So just in, in terms of that, th- this case study with the Moreland City Council, were you then able to use um, Facebook's ability to target areas quite specifically just to send that particular survey to people who lived in that area?
1: Well, that was a question that was... Um, because the questions are simple, so do you want CCTV cameras... Um, first of all, Moreland posted that on their Facebook news feed. So that's targeting that, that particular audience um, and then tweeting it out to the community as well. So they're already targeting that audience mm-hmm. um, and then the behaviour is that they then share it. So it was shared 97% of the time by the people who participated, 97% of them shared it with their friends. So the reason why that people share it is it was a good experience. It didn't take much time. It's easy. And your response will make a difference. I was intrigued
0: by your earlier introduction and when we spoke right at the front and you mentioned the guidebook, the uh, camping and tramping guidebook, obviously a sensational piece of content. Why was it so good?
1: Well, it, it was it was done before the internet. So at that time, you know, as I was travelling around, the only way to get information about the national parks was an A4 flyer from the national parks office. So there was a real lack. Um, also, there was no Lonely Planet guide or, or anything else that made it simple for people to visit national parks around the country, especially if they were doing a sort of long-haul tour. Um, so I just saw the need. You know, there was a need to help, make it easier for people to go and visit these magnificent places we have in Australia and um, so I saw, the, I saw the gap and I, I filled it.
0: And in terms of that need what, what was the need was it um, very practical uh, how to use simple sort of information around where were yeah. the best working track walking tracks where were the facilities right. where were the camping was it that type and style of information?
1: Absolutely. It was very, I'm very inspired by the work of the Wheeler family in Lonely Planet, so it filled that format. So a bit of a description, um, the camping, the um, walks, um, the maps to get there, and then later I updated it with some Aboriginal history um, at the front of each um, uh, description.
0: Okay, fantastic. Well, well done for that as well. There's nothing like, you know, a piece of content that uh, that resonates like that, and an evergreen piece of content that continues to add value to people, uh, you know, over time. It's you know the long tail is uh, inspiring, and I think that's a it's a good lesson to people to really understand that it's not what you want to say or what you want to tell people, but it's to get into their heads of the people who the content is intended for and to answer their questions and to add value from their perspective and their point of view and that's where you'll create that real resonance and that real value. So in terms of... Where you see the market moving from now is interesting. I know that you mentioned Redland City Council. I think one of the the innovations around their content that I saw recently uh, was using social media for people to identify weeds and to each week, you know, weed of the week to send it out there so people could you know, almost create an army within the Redlands City Council community so as they were eradicating root weeds out there by themselves rather than relying on the rangers to have to do it. So I thought that was a really nice uh, piece of content, well-directed and really being able to um, mm. enable a community to, to act and, uh, you know, to reduce the, the pressure on the city council to have a, a you know, massive workforce to eradicate the weeds up there. So just in terms of other uh, initiatives and, and probably over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, where do you see, you know, content marketing and social media marketing evolving in the government space, not only at a municipal level, but at a state level and also at a federal level?
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I think you know, the weed example is a fantastic one where a creative approach um, builds the, the culture around it. You know, um, so there's this great opportunity to sort of overcome the the negativity towards public service and and bureaucracy um, by actually embracing the fact that it can be a really strong. Effective member of of the community itself, that the, the government, you know, can bind the community, support them, um, offer, you know, rather platform for engagement. You know, even something like the um, the the uh, oh, what's the what's the organisation doing the um, the stats, the polls on? Uh, oh, it's just jumped out of my head. ABS. But, uh, the Australian, have, Bureau of
0: Stati- the Australian Bureau of Statistics?
1: That, that's it. When they did their... Um, yeah, the se- census. Um, census, mm. you know, the really creative use of social media. So, you know, it rather it being a sort of really, uh, you know, prosaic kind of exercise of, you know, ticks and numbers, mm. um, there was a lot of creativity applied to it. Yeah, they made it fun. So th- they made it fun and that's the, that's the thing, is that you can have a personality in social media and, in fact, you need to. So um, what we would be doing with our strategy for a lot of the government agencies we worked with was to really come back to the why and the purpose and to hone in on who are you um, when you act in in the social media realm and, and, and how can you be an interesting person to, to speak with in the social media room, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, Karen, um, lots to look forward to. And I think I tend to agree with you that, you know, there are... Lots of examples of good things, but I do still think that we are very much in the early stages of um, the adoption of you know content marketing practice that strategic measurable accountable process that people are able to, you know, to to take on some of those, you know, defining issues of what's our purpose, why are we doing this, what are we going to do, what channels are we going to select, and really try to manage it from end to end in a strategic um, framework. And I think that is a, a wonderful opportunity that we uh, that we all can look forward to. So in terms of Town Hall Social and yourself, what's next and, and where can the listeners get hold of to understand a little bit more about uh, Karen Flavel, but also a little bit more about Town Hall social
1: excellent well just visit townhallsocial.com that's the website we're um, currently rebuilding it as a town hall app um, and that will be fully mobile responsive and also um, self sign up um, system so you can just go ahead and set yourself up and have a free version of the tool and give it a try so that'll be free until July and we're launching next month um, so that's that 's sort of what we 're really knuckling down, working on right now, um, and then once once that 's going um, we 'll keep expanding the functionality of it but that's that 's the big job at the moment so yeah, townhall social com or um, also your Twitter feed is at townhall social
0: Well, Karen, thank you very much for giving us some of your valuable time today. Some great insights there as to how people can take this on is to not to be scared to be a personality to act. Uh, with simplicity and really to start to take small steps you you don't have to start you know belting it out of the ground from day one you can really just start to build into building that engagement and building that meaningful and trusted relationships with the community by using good relevant useful content to uh, create stronger communities and improve the well-being of citizens so thanks very much for joining us in transition we've loved having you on and thanks very much for your time.
1: You're so
0: welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.